Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, this is The Drive Home Show. Today we're going to be looking at the ECT framework and in particular the StatLab programme run by Ambition Institute. We'll also be talking about World Book Day. Is it about books or is it about very good costumes? Both of these will be discussed at length and also I'll have a special guest today who is going to talk to us about his experiences of being an ECT. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good afternoon. Uh, obviously, it's been a bit of a, a strong uh, news week this week, what with everything that is going on uh, in Ukraine. And obviously, I'll start the programme just by uh, sending out my wishes, best wishes to uh, the people in Ukraine and hope that uh, they are OK and that this obviously horrific situation uh, gets resolved uh, as soon as possible and doesn't escalate any further. Um, but yeah, that has to be said, I'm afraid. We have to get that out there. And obviously, everybody's doing their best um, you know, from every single aspect of sanctions and awareness uh, with football clubs and everybody uh, raising awareness for the issue. Um, so we're all fully aware that it's um, a not good situation, to put it mildly. Um, but all we can do really is hope and pray that um, situation gets resolved and that uh, those people in Ukraine uh, get the support and the, the help that we can give them as a as a country that obviously is no longer part of the EU, but we can still help them. So if you haven't already, please help uh, donate or to go to the Red Cross or your local um, area or wherever you can and, and get in touch um, with what you can do to help people out there. OK, so I had to um, mention that because I think it'd be remiss to not mention uh, such tragic situation that is going on um, in the world. Right. So today... Um, we are going to be mostly focusing on uh, looking at a program or a system called Step Lab. Now, you may not be aware of this, particularly if you're uh, listening from outside the UK. And actually, our own very own Kate Jones um, did message me earlier to say that this is also something that not familiar with in Wales and probably Scotland and Ireland. So I must remember that this is possibly just something we're doing in England. So I'll put that disclaimer out there now. But I'll give you a bit of context to what Step Lab is, because actually that's going to open up a lot of other conversations that we can have today. And please get involved and phone up, press the call-in button or message with your opinion. So just to make it more generic before we talk about Step Lab specifically and what that is, what we're looking at here is the process to which we assess trainee teachers. So we're all aware of the teaching standards. Um, and if you aren't, if you are listening from abroad, obviously this is a set of um, 40 to 50 standards sectioned off into different areas that teachers have to show or prove uh, that they can um, do those standards, hit those standards before they're allowed uh, to qualify as a teacher or as a trainee, certainly in the first stage, and then as a fully qualified teacher later on. Now, obviously, this is a difficult thing to assess at the best of times, but obviously the system that has been working for a long, long time since I trained as a teacher nearly 20 years ago 
was a system of the standards and the idea being that you observe your trainee uh, as a mentor and you watch them on a regular basis, obviously, and tick those standards off. Now, this may well sound like to a few people, I'm, you know, I don't want to teach people to suck eggs if you're aware of how this works, but I'm just trying to be really explicit uh, about what we're talking about. So first of all, get in touch if you are a trainee going through this process. I'd love to hear how you think. Um, I've seen quite a few things on Twitter in the last few weeks of trainees um, deciding that they can't do it. Enough's enough. So that's an issue within itself or probably an issue for another show. But if you are a trainee and you're struggling or you want to get in touch, let us know. Equally, if you're a mentor or a coach uh, and you're using this system, um, doesn't have to be the Steplab system. Um, it could be any other way of tracking standards. But please get in touch because I really want to open this up today uh, and find out the problems people have with it and the limitations of such a system. So before we talk about Steplab, if we just contextualize that a little bit, the way the standards used to be uh, when I trained, and certainly this was the, say, the case a few years ago even still, uh, trainees would get a this teaching standards and you would have to create a folder, a physical folder uh, of all the evidence of you hitting those standards. So it could be a copy of a lesson plan, it could be an email, it could be an observation, where you're where you're matching that standard and obviously the idea being that over the course of the year with certain interim points where you know this is checked off and you get to reflect on and how you're doing the idea would be that those 40 to 50 standards you would cover and it used to be when i trained a long long time ago that you had to hit those standards more than once you had to do them a couple of times and evidence that now that may well have changed and again let me know if that is the case but in principle there's nothing really wrong with that system, I don't think. Now, this is where it starts to get tricky. So obviously, as we all know, in the last few years, the ECT framework has, has massively changed. In fact, even the name ECT, we've gone away from saying trainees to NQTs. And now we use the ECT, which is an acronym for Early Career Teacher. And that's a catch-all phrase. And that includes that you do your training year and then you have now a two-year process. Now, I thought this was brilliant. When I first heard about this, the changes are mostly positive. Uh, and again, if you're going through this, get in touch and let me know. Call, press the call in button if you're listening on Podbean or just send me a little message in the chat box. Um, this was a great idea, I thought, a really good idea because it made it less about you do one year, which is what happened to me. I did my NQT year and then really was left alone and, and no one ever came back to me, which is a bit silly because you need help certainly the first couple of years. So that's a, a really positive move. The second change to the framework was that they inserted a element of coaching, instructional coaching, um, and a certain um, amount of areas that had to be covered legally um, by schools and by providers, um, and also freed up more CPD. Now, that's a little bit more controversial because when, when I was teaching at my last school, trainees would get their input and obviously they would take part in the CPD run by the school, the normal CPD, whatever we were doing. Now, my understanding is that trainees may well go to the school CPD, but have to also attend specific CPD on various aspects. Now, that might be more problematic. So get in touch if you've got any opinions on that. That's not really what I'm focusing on today. What we're going to look at today is the third element to the change, which is 
uh, about tracking the standards. Now, I can only talk about the Ambition Institute model um, because I wasn't aware until yesterday, actually, that this is not a nationwide thing. I was under the understanding that everybody was using StepLab and everybody was using this form of, of assessment. But actually, I think it's only schools using the Ambition Institute. So if you don't use that model, get in touch and tell me how it's different. If you're in Wales or Scotland or Ireland, tell me how your training looks. I'd like to know. But if we stick with the Ambition Institute and the StepLab model, I will then explain to you why I've done this particular show. And I'll talk to you a little bit before my guest, Daryl, um, who is an ECT. He's a science teacher. He's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes or so. Now, the reason I've got Daryl on here is because I needed to hear it from the horse's mouth let's say, about his experiences. But before we get into that, let me tell you why this show I think is, is quite controversial in some ways. My understanding of the StepLab programme is that it is a computerised programme and it's all obviously done online, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with us going away from paper um, because obviously in the modern world, we need to do that. And obviously, because of COVID, it wasn't possible for people to meet physically um, with mentors. And so everything is done through StepLab, which is an online program. And quite simply, all it does is it logs uh, the standards in exactly the same way we would have done before. Um, and those have to be ticked off. But the main difference that I can see is that those standards are prescribed and that in coaches and mentors have to go through these steps uh, one by one in a certain sequence. Now, this is where the problem starts for me, <clears throat> because all I've heard over the last few months from various people is criticism of it. And again, if you think it's brilliant, please get in touch. But I, I've done a sort of straw poll of, you know, 10 or 12 different people over the last six months. And every time I talk to people about this, all I hear is complaints. Now, obviously, some of that is because it is a new process. And I, again, will put that as a disclaimer. I understand um, that if anyone is listening from the Ambition Institute or anyone, anyone involved in setting this up, of course, it is going to have teething problems. And of course, it's going to be tricky uh, at first and it needs feedback and it needs adapting and molding. So I, I accept that. I'm, I'm not being super critical in, in thinking it's going to work first time. However, I still think there are some major issues with the way that the program works. And again, this is only based on what people have told me. It's not my personal opinion. I'm not actually even using StepLab because I'm not I'm not got a trainee. I'm just going on what people have told me. So why is it so problematic? Well, the first thing, of course, is that it's split into three strands. So term one, uh, it's all about behavior. Term two, it's about instruction. And term three is about subject knowledge. So rather than the old teaching standards where you would have 45, 50 standards, which would cover all of those three things and more, um, the, the idea, the way it used to work was you would observe your trainee. Uh, you may see them hit one of these standards. You tick it off. They would get evidence, blah, blah, blah. And for me, that was a good system because somebody might be brilliant at behavior, but poor at other areas of their teaching or vice versa. And so therefore, it enabled you as a mentor to fit it to the trainee and their skills and move around. Now, the only um, rule of it, of course, was that by the end of the year, the academic year, you would have ticked all the boxes. Otherwise, you wouldn't pass the course. Now, that's quite sensible, I think. 
And obviously you would have points in that, like Christmas after turn one. And if someone wasn't hitting standards or was or was missing out on a lot, it might be a cause for concern. Or equally, like myself, I did fairly well on my on my training. So I was I was pleased. I was I was told I was working beyond the standard of a trainee and I was then pushed to develop my teaching. The issue with Step Lab, from what I can tell, it does not allow that. It is very systematic. It's very tick boxy. It's very clunky. That's another word I've heard used in case that it basically you have to work through standard by standard and you cannot move on until you've completed certain ones. Now, that is already causing quite a few people problems because somebody might be very good at something and you want to move on and you can't. So that that's a big problem. The other issue, of course, is that the whole of the first term had to be behavior focused. Now, in terms of defending this program, I did speak to one PE teacher who said, actually, it's quite good to focus on behavior first, because if you don't get behavior right, obviously, you can't you can't teach. You can't do all the other things properly if you haven't completely kind of got your behavior down, which I accept that opinion. However, I still think it's a bit weird to only be looking at that when you might be asking teachers to do certain strategies or work or work on certain areas of their teaching, like instructional questioning, that would improve behavior, but you wouldn't be able to tick it off because it's not a behavior strategy on the step lab list. So you can sort of see, hopefully, if you're listening to this, that even if you're not a step um, step lab user, uh, that you can see some of the problems. Now, one of the other problems I've had, one of the other bits of feedback has been from practical subjects. So Daryl, who's going to be calling in in a short while, is a science teacher. So we're going to look at how that works. But I've heard PE teachers, DT teachers, drama teachers all complaining because it is not suitable. It doesn't work well with practical subjects. So then that's another issue. Do we have, uh, you know, one program for academic normal subjects, if you want to call them that, and then another one? Uh, for more practical base, or is that just even more work? I, I, I don't think that's a way forward. But the reason the old standards would work is because it was so bespoke. You could tailor it to the trainee. You could tailor it to the subject nuance um, in terms of some things as a drama teacher are much easier to get to uh, than other areas um, that a maths or an English teacher might might find harder or easier. So that that's another big issue. So please get in touch. I want to hear what you think. Uh, please feel free to challenge my opinion if you think it's really good. If you've used something similar, then let me know. But ultimately, what we're looking at is going away from something which was quite not, it wasn't even loose, it was very specific, but it was flexible. And what Step Lab seems to be is very prescriptive, very rigid, um, and is causing problems. And I can sum this problem up by uh, an example purely even from today, uh, when I went to watch a science teacher and his mentor said to me, oh, if you're going in, can you can you tick off this step lab box for me? I said, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll go and see how he's doing. I watched this teacher for 20 minutes. Um, it was absolutely great. His lesson was going perfectly well. But the strategy, the target, which was to do with instruction, because it's term two, he wasn't necessarily um, doing that at the point I went in. So I had to go back and say to the, the mentor, yeah, he's he's good at that, but actually there isn't evidence of him doing that right now. Now, to me, then what happens, and this is what other people have, have, have agreed with me on this, is you end up with trainees changing their lesson to fit step lab. 
And that is where I started to get cross. And that is where I thought I need to do a show about this. <clears throat> because if you are now getting coaches or mentors telling people, right, you've got to put that in. And teachers deliberately trying to crowbar in certain parts of the lesson for a standard. That, to me, is all wrong. Now, obviously, they're quite generic. So it could just be instruction. And it could just be how you explain something. Now, that you can easily do. But some of them, when you look, are very specific. Uh, for example, today, the one was, you know, giving instruction and then making sure kids check back that they understand it. Well, I don't think we all do that. Maybe we should. And I understand the process and the theory. But sometimes you may explain it very well, do a quick show of hands and move on and not necessarily need the kids to say back to you. Do you understand? OK, elaborate. What did I just say? Articulate that back. It's just not necessary. So you can hopefully see um, what I'm talking about in terms of the frustrations of it. Now, what I thought I'd do before we uh, speak to Daryl, and Daryl's going to call in about 10 minutes. Um, if you're listening, Daryl, that's great. Thanks for joining me. I think you are there. So hold on tight and give me a call when you're ready in about 10 minutes. Um, I've kind of made a list of pros and cons of, of this system. Now, the pros of it are um, basically that there is number one a lack of paperwork and you've not got that onus on the trainee to create massive folders which 20 years ago was a bit of a, a bugbear it's systematic so it, it ensures that every single standard is covered and that it, the, the student the sorry the trainee can't move on until they're done so i understand that aspect it's very trackable by outside agencies which is a good thing for them and it's very tick boxy and i think that's why um, people like it. That's why probably the program has been bought in um, by schools or by academies or whoever's using it, because you can um, track it easily. Welcome, Rasheen, listening from East London. Nice to nice to uh, have you on the on the um, listening in there today. Please join in if the chat or call in if you like. Um, and so, yeah, so those are some of the pros, the paper, lack of paper, it's systematic, trackable. Now, the cons for me are one, which we've mentioned, it's not bespoke. Two, it doesn't really fit well for me with practical subjects. There's a lack of flexibility for both the coach and the trainee because you can't say, right, we're going to do that now. We'll do that later. We'll move it around. We'll do that depending on the class and the, the lesson that's been taught. Um, and, you know, the ability to not move on or the restriction to not move on from one to another till you've done one, you can't move to six, I think is a travesty. Because I think if you look at the teaching standards, then it isn't an exact science. It, although you can say there are standards, I agree, teaching is not an exact science. It's complex. And anybody who's been in education for any period of time will tell you that. So if it's that complex, how can we boil it down? And that's my big question for today. If we're going to reject Step Lab's uh, model, if we're going to say the old teaching standards didn't work or did work, what do we do? How on earth can we track? something that is so complicated which allows the person who's doing it the trainee to get a qualification and to be standardized against you know a national set of standards e.g the teaching standards but at the same time allow that individual human to develop to experiment to uh, move from one area to the other to jump backwards and forwards to to develop one skill and then need to it's complicated and just to say, right, you're going to do all these behavior things. I've even had people say to me, oh, well, they did do this something really, really good. 
but that standard's not till May, so I can't tick it off. I mean, that to me is ridiculous. Um, but I'm, I may be wrong, but that that is what I t- that's what I can tell from the way that this system is set up. And a lot of people have said it's clunky. Now that I don't mind because it might just be uh, the IT, it might just be the way that it's set up. And I'm sure the Ambition Institute will um, tweak that and they will change that and they will do things to that. And um, please, I'm not. This is not about me bashing them or bashing any organisation. I'm just trying to get a debate going of how complicated is it to measure a teacher's a trainee success. It's hard enough measuring a lesson of a teacher who's been doing it for 10 years. It's hard enough. That's why we got rid of graded lessons. That's why, you know, Ofsted got rid of that because it's a nonsense. You can't grade someone on, on a half an hour observation. It's not it's not really reflective of their whole um, week of teaching, the whole career. So basically, in in that way, you um, you can't, you know, you can't really even judge normal teachers. So how on earth do we do that? Well, I've got a comment here. Someone says, great show so far. Thank you very much. Just one comment. The ECF isn't an assessment framework. I believe teachers are still observed against the old teacher standards only. And that should happen separately. Right? No, I, I agree with that. I think that's fair enough. Um, the ECF is absolutely fine. As I said at the beginning of the show, I don't have a problem with the early careers framework. I think the two-year process, I think the idea of a coach, the CPD, I haven't got an issue with that at all. Um, and there are teacher standards for certainly for um, the first year, but I'm not sure who this person is whose message, please call in and we can discuss it. But I'm not sure then if you don't use the Step Lab program from the Ambition Institute, how do you check it off? Where's the evidence of them hitting those teacher standards? Uh, maybe the person whose message is from England or you might be from somewhere else in the UK or abroad. But let, let me know what, what how that works. But I understand it's not an assessment framework. But the um, what I'm talking about is how we tick off the teacher standards. Um, I think they're, they're a standard. We all know that the teacher standards are there, but it's how you measure it. And I think maybe the problem is that Step Lab is just a system that is used to quantify and to make sure that that is done. So hopefully that answers uh, that question there. So um, if you're not using that, you know, what is the model? How else do you do that, particularly if you're out of England? Um, we're going to be talking to Daryl in a moment and Daryl is an ECT and he is, um, he is a science teacher and he's obviously in that first couple of years of his teaching and he's been coached and he's had all these experiences. So he's going to talk to us about his career so far and he's going to talk to us a little bit about, um, how Lab works for him and, and how it works with his coach. Now, what we're going to do, um, later on in the show is after, we spoke to Darren after we've had the news. Um, I'm also would like to talk about World Book Day briefly um, because, again, um, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about that um, because, again, it seems to be really focused on costumes. Uh, and even my son this morning, he didn't have a costume. And I said, what are you going to do? And he just put on his normal clothes and said, well, I'm going as Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I said, OK, good. That's fair enough. I said, have you read Diary of a Wimpy Kid? No, I haven't read it, he said. So that kind of defeats the object. So is this is World Book Day something more that works for primary schools than secondary? And um, what has your school done? So after five o'clock, please get in touch with me about what your school's done to promote World Book Day. It's not just dressing up. There's lots of um, initiatives and things that people do that are really great to promote reading. 
um, assemblies, etc., um, silent reading time, bells going off, all sorts of brilliant things. But my fear looking at Twitter is that all parents are worried about is getting that costume right. Um, and, you know, I get the reasons that was brought about for fun and for to encourage awareness of it. But have we lost the focus a bit with World Book Day and it becomes more about dressing up rather than actually reading? Right. Daryl is joining us now. So I'll um, I'll let Daryl into the studio and we can get stuck into this ECT. Daryl, are you there? Yeah. Hi, how are you? I'm great, Daryl. You had a good day? Yeah, it's been a good day, actually. Yeah, thanks for asking. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad, Daryl, at all, apart from more step lab issues that I've had. But, um, <laughs> but we'll get to that. So, first of all, Daryl, thanks for joining us, giving up your time. Okay. Um, so let's start with a bit of background context for you so that the, the listeners know uh, exactly where you are and, and your career so far. So, obviously, you teach science. Um, tell us a bit about how you got into that, how long you've been doing it. Um, so, it all started a few years back essentially I used to be a uh, retail manager and um, kind of wasn't happy working there for quite a while and family and friends kept on saying to me oh you know you should go be a teacher it'd be good fun you know you'd, you'd do well at it and I kind of undernarred for a few years and then finally decided to kind of take the dive and um, started my teacher training in 2019. So was that did that completely coincide with COVID, Daryl? How did how did that work? Did you get started before COVID or at the same time? So I started just before COVID hit. Um, so the second half or two last two terms essentially were all done online. There was no um, students in. We basically had to kind of talk about things we would do, and we couldn't do our research mm. projects and stuff like that. So it was, it was a bit of a weird time, to be honest. Of course, of course. And do you think now, so you've been doing it now for, this will be your second year, will it now? Or, mm -hmm. Yeah, so do you feel, I know it's impossible to ask really because you don't know how it would have been otherwise, but yeah. uh, but do you feel like that had, had did slow you down or do you feel like it, it just made you learn in a different way? I, I think it, in some ways it slowed me down and in other ways it made me learn different things. So right. I feel like because I had less interaction with the students and because we didn't actually get to carry out our research projects and stuff like that, there was certain things that I didn't come to realise until I'd been teaching for a while, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. Um, but it was good in other ways because instead of spending so much time in the classroom, I was spending a lot more time reading. I was doing more kind of uh, research online and talking to other teachers and stuff like that. So it was it was a different kind of training definitely um I, I wouldn't say it was worse or better in, in no way. it was just different you know what I mean? yeah so, but I, I guess behavior management would be something you weren't really able to sort of get going with if you were you know with the online learning really I suppose yeah not really I mean I had some experience of it before because um between working in retail and becoming a trainee teacher I'd done some work as a uh, LSA Right, in some SEN schools and, and some other things, and a bit of cover supervisor work and stuff. Like right, that. so I had a little bit of experience, but it yeah, it wasn't anywhere near as much. I mean, that was one of the things that I was quite worried about going in for the first yeah, year. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Right, so okay, so obviously science is um, what you teach. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've done a little bit about the background. So tell us about so your first year that you did was that yeah. was the training year. And how, how did that differ to what you, how your experience of this year? Just so I'm, I'm fully aware of that, how the framework works. Um, so the, the training itself was um, in a school that's not 
the, the the way they do the curriculum and the way the lessons are set and the department works is very different to the school I'm in in working in now. Okay. Um, uh, the first year that I was doing my teaching after the training, most of it was through supply work, and then I managed to get a temporary position in the school I'm in now. Um, right. So it was it was a bit strange because it all started off as supply work. Um, yes. Now coming to where I am now. Obviously, I've had more time and and so on and so forth. But I feel like the school that I'm in now, compared to the school I was in training, it feels very very different. I feel a lot more confident in the people around me. Um, but that right. might partly be because of time spent working with them and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. So. Yeah. So that first year period, were you then? Was that how was that assessed in terms of your training? Was that the normal teacher standards? And that was was that. So we had a couple of ways that it was assessed. It was assessed against the teacher standards at the end of it. Um, and throughout, mm. it had to be referenced as part of my lesson observations. Um, yeah. They, the trainer that I was with, the, the provider, had an online platform. So kind of similar to StepLab. Um, right. Which has been a bit of an advantage for me because I kind of know how to use those online platforms from having used it in my training year. Sure, um, yeah. So, you know, there was the observations themselves against the teacher standards but then there was also uh like with step lab where you have to write um extended pieces about things that you've read or watched i mean step lab literally give you the things to do mm -hmm. uh, which is good in that regard but with the trainee year it was very much they tell you to go and have a look at something and you'd have to also go and find other things to reference and so on and yeah so now so, that's interesting you mentioned that because someone else said to me today about the step lab they he said he was a science teacher right ironically as well but he he said that is one of the good things about it is that he said it does point you to that research and those publications so you you know they're there to do but again it's this frustration of you know it's just tick that off and then you know other things can't can't go forward as it were yeah um okay so then in terms of this year and talking so you must have started the step lab in september correct yeah okay so you moved over to that system uh and how how did that work with it? obviously evidence you'd already got from training because this is another issue I, I don't understand why if there's lots of focus on behavior but you maybe already got that from your training year how does that work you know, yeah, to... I mean, I'm not 100% sure myself because, there, no. like you say, there's lots of evidence I've got of, for example, behavior management. Um, yeah. But there's like there's no ability to kind of go, right, I've got um, behavior, whatever, we're focusing on this. Oh, I remember I did something with that before. Let me upload mm. some evidence. There's no. no like ability to do that. Right. Um, and there hasn't been anything explained to say like, okay, later on down the line, there'll be a area that you can upload any extra evidence you've got from outside yeah. of the weeks there's been nothing kind of talked about that no and that and that to me seems a bit strange because it seems like the step lab thing is is trying to cover everything mm. like you would as a trainee but actually if you're in the well it would traditionally be the nqt year it would be called um yeah. you know you're already going to have a lot of that now dan you just have to tweak some other bits but it's like you're almost starting again isn't it it is a bit yeah because there's definitely places that i'm doing stuff that i recognize from my training almost yeah. exactly the same yeah um, and it, it does really feel a little bit like right we're kind of and you said it earlier it's a bit of a tick box in some regards mm. um you know if you know you can do it and you've been doing it then why do you have to then show it again i mean honest on, on there's going to be some situations where you are showing a lot of these things in every lesson anyway of course yeah but mm. it's 
you know, why flog a dead horse kind of thing? No, exactly. And that's, and that's also, is that the same for the coat? Because isn't there something about the CPD element to it? Because I'm sure I saw something on Twitter where someone said, I've just sat through, a, you know, some sort of CPD they had to do for the, for the step lab or whatever it was. And they were like, I did all this last year. Is there, is there sort of compulsory elements that you have to do? Well, we have um, to do everything that they've put up every week, essentially. So whatever right. the, the um, focus is that week, you've got to do that focus. Or if you've, you know, if you've missed a week or whatever, you've got to catch up on that as well. But, um, yeah. but does the school have to provide that or is that provided by externally by them? In I think of... that comes straight from uh, the Ambition Institute. I'm right, assuming. right. I mean, I might not be correct there, but that's what it seems like from my end. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of the, what about, I know this is obviously dependent on individuals, so we're not going to sort of go into that too much, but in terms of the way the mentoring is set up this year compared to last year, is, is that better, do you think, in your opinion, the structure of it or? Um, I think that the idea behind it, the way that they've set it up is definitely a good idea. Um, they've, they've put some thought into it and, and the way that they've kind of tried to set it up, you can see the intent. Whether or not it's working the same way as intended in practice is something different. But then again, yeah. that depends on you know the coaches, the mentors, the mentees, the school. That you know, yeah. there's a load of other variables. As well, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, as says the science teacher, exactly. I mean, it, this is the thing, isn't it? Is that it is dependent on that, but it does feel like some of it is just a bit, you know, ugh, I don't know what the word is really, but it, you know, it's just kind of. These, these are a lot of things you've got to do, so just do these, jump through these hoops. Well, um, yeah, there's no flexibility to it. It's no. just very set in stone, right? You're going to do this, this. It's almost like they've they've kind of sat down when they made the platform, and instead of going, right, we'll review this every couple of weeks to see where people could be, they've gone, we're just going to put everything up with a set time for it to come out, and then we'll just yeah. leave it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I suppose, I guess, in a way, they, 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 I'm sure they're, uh, you know, they're a big institution. I'm sure they're going to, at the end of the year, review and, and properly evaluate, you know, the things that need to change. Mm -hmm. um, but but like you say, it feels like a lot of it, there is good intentions with all of it, particularly, as I said at the beginning, I haven't got an issue with the two-year part. I don't have an issue with the CBD part. It's just the way StepLab works, which, again, I know is not the same for every provider. But um, just talk us through why StepLab's a little bit uh, clunky and tricky for you. I mean, from my end of it and my what I you know my kind of experience using it it just feels like there's no um customability I suppose yeah so uh, you know for example if it was that the institute had put everything up to come out at a certain time etc etc there it feels like there should be some ability for either the mentor or the uh, leading mentor or whatever the, the position is called to be able to kind of go in and go actually you know what my my mentee or my um, trainee teacher is is doing this, this, and this fine. You know, we're not going to focus on that for the moment. We can leave that till later. Actually, I think they need to focus on this. So we're going to bring this yeah. part forward. Yeah, that that's the bit I have the biggest issue with because I think having been a mentor myself of trainees over over the years, I, I would always be doing that. I, mm. I'd always be looking at the teaching standards, every single observation going back to targets because you know a lot of the time with trainees what tends to happen is you know there are similar similar areas of development and there are similar strengths you know yeah. week in week out but you know i would always think right we need to shunt that forward we need to look at that more i need to and if it was something they couldn't grasp then i would send them away to do more you know help on it or go and observe someone else etc yeah, yeah. but that that 
power, I suppose, seems to have been taken away. Um, and that's possibly why mentors are feeling frustrated because they've, they haven't got that power to suit it to the person. Yeah. And I can, I can kind of understand wanting to do it in a certain, I mean, it's like when we teach students, you want to teach things in a order for a reason. So I understand that, but yeah, even if it's not all right, move things around, there should be the ability for you to be able to add extra pieces in. Yeah. And just yeah. kind of, you know, even if, so say for example, I'm struggling with how I model, um yeah we would focus on not just what step lab's telling me but you know you need some help with modeling let's focus on that because it doesn't seem like it's right if you're having a problem with a certain area waiting and kind of just closing your eyes a little bit until you get to that point i know that's yeah but that that's the other issue so where you say that about students you're are you 100 percent right i agree in terms of sequencing a curriculum a hundred percent but you know teaching isn't like learning subject knowledge you know it, it this is complicated mm. so you know sometimes you do have to do it it is messy you know learning is messy teaching you don't you're not going to do it in a certain order are you because no, no. It, it doesn't work like that and like we said about behavior you know some people might be excellent with certain areas and not with others but making people say no no you can't look at other things until you've gone through these ones first that to me feels really inhibiting mm. yeah no I, I totally agree Totally agree. It just feels a little bit like you're being hobbled slightly. Yeah. So your solution then really, Daryl, to it in terms of tweaking it, you know, would be really that you don't mind how it's set up and, and the, the phrases, etc., cetera, mm. uh, the way it's done and the and the, the standards, because they're from the teaching standards anyway. But you're saying it's that ability that a coach should be able to either put in, you know, you should be able to add bits in as a trainee, but that the coach or mentor should have the power to be able to not go off piece, but, you know, basically move stuff around. Yeah. Or just focus on areas that that trainee, because, you know, everybody, we, we are essentially students in some ways as well. We, everybody of course is we are. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not like you can go, right, we're going to have this way that will work with everyone that will never work with everyone. You need to have the ability to be able to go, right, actually at the moment, you need to focus on this thing. So we'll add additional bits on just to say, this is what we're looking at at the moment. Yeah, and that and would I, also kind of allow you to show evidence towards those standards later on when eventually it does come up. Do you know what exactly? I mean? And that I think you hit the nail on the head, Daryl. There, the idea of you know there isn't something for everyone is the problem because yeah. I think it's been set up in a way. And this is me getting in my soapbox a bit, but and please, people, after Daryl's um, left us, please call in or message if you disagree with me here. But I feel passionately that you know it's not something for everyone. You can't. I get the idea you've got to tick box stuff. I get the idea standards need to be met. I don't, it's like, you know, learning to drive. You know, there's certain things you have to do to pass your driving test. Mm. But, you know, it's not like you would do your driving test and, you know, you have to do mirror signal and manoeuvre immediately, you know, because you might not need to. You know, it, it's it's kind of like the standards have to be hit. But that 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 sequencing of it, I, I think, is, is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, so perhaps it is just a case of, you know, using the, the, the online system, like you said. So this other one, actually, just to go back, you talked about another one that you'd done before. What was that or how was that different or the same? So it was similar. Platform. Yeah, the other platform was similar in that it was all online based. You uploaded evidence. You did um, weekly learning um, with kind of instruction and modeling to show you what should be done. And then they'd give you... Um, resources that you can go off and use i mean it wasn't prescriptive it was you know these are other things you can go and look at as well as the things we told you so very yeah. similar in that regard 
Um, I, it felt a little bit more polished, the other one. Now, I don't know whether that's because, I mean, it's more than likely because the company itself was, is quite a bit bigger. Um, right, possibly, and has yeah. And more money behind it or whatever. That, you know, that that's kind of by the by. But it might also be because it's a brand new system, this as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's going to have teething problems. And I would say kind of overall, I'm reasonably happy with this. There's nothing that I would kind of go, oh, I'm not going to use this. It's unusable. It's nothing like that. It's just more preference and being able to customize those little bits having supplementary things you could potentially yeah do you know what i mean i guess their worry would be that if they if they made it too customizable or gave coaches too much power that then potentially people might not do it and it feels like a control thing of right we've got to make sure whereas before it felt like there was an element of trust Mm. that people professional teachers would be professional and say right this standard's not been met so i'm going to make i'm going to you know try a few more times till i'm comfortable confident with it yeah um, whereas this seems to have taken away the autonomy of that and you know and it is just basically right do it like this or you know they're well, not going to pass it's slightly infantile infantilizing sorry <laughs> nice word, training nice teachers word. because it's kind yeah. of saying you know we don't like you say, we don't trust your professional capability to say, actually, I'm not doing very well at this point and I need to focus on it. It's, it's saying you do it in this order because we've said you do it in this order. Exactly. And that, again, is where I have an issue because who is to say? You know, that, that's what I can't take. Like you said about students, yeah, they can't learn about, well, you know, I can't talk about science, but let's say maths. You, you can't learn certain things until you've done your times tables. Mm. That, that is a fact, you know. Mm. Um, whereas with this... Who is to say, right, well, you know, you can't learn anything until your behaviour's t- sorted and you can't you can't learn about... I mean, subject knowledge is put at the end, isn't it? That's the third term, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you would kind of think, like, I can understand why they want to do behaviour and instruction as well, but y- to me, you would want to have elements of all three parts at all times because you can't teach your subject if you haven't got the subject knowledge. Although I know, you also yeah. can't do it if you can't control the behavior and if you can't instruct the students you can't do it do you know what i mean it falls exactly down and that's why i don't one thing no and that's what i'm saying with the tip with the way it was before that, that it was like you know you would sort of do all three of them because they're all interlinked anyway but you would do all three of them simultaneously but slowly you would hope the behavior got better slowly the instruction would get better and mm. potentially you know if there was gaps in subject knowledge those could be closed but the idea of this sort of rigid sequence of, right, once you've done that, then we'll talk about instruction. Once you've done that, then we'll look at subject knowledge. Like you said, what if you're doing that really well and then it comes back to it and you've got to try well, and you've remember. Got ev- yeah, exactly. You've got evidence. You've got evidence that that again. No doing. Yeah, exactly. And also that I think it's quite dangerous because you might spend so long thinking that I've got to learn all these behavior tricks, but actually it's because your instruction's not good enough that the behavior's going in the first, you know, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. I understand what you mean. They're all interlinked 100%. Of course, I like anything. And so I think this is part of it, that anything so complicated and where you're basing it something on human beings that that somebody somewhere has tried to make into a, you know, a tick box system. Mm. I think it's, I just, uh, my personal opinion is essentially flawed straight away. Mm. Um, and you're right. It takes away the, um, the professional, the, the, the kind of, it's not even about creativity. It's about judgment um, yeah. and someone's professional judgment. And like I say, I think it's great to have a list. Like that's what the standards are. It's great to have a system so you can check it off. You know, so you might not be an expert as a coach in certain areas, but you know that you've got to make sure your trainee can do that. Yeah. But I, st- I still think it, it's um, 
you know, a bit silly. Someone's put in here just to, um, I'm going to read this out actually. Um, Daryl, you can respond to this as well. Someone's yeah. put, take things out based on mentors, professional uh, opinion of ECT's ability. Sitting through two hour online seminars where you need a camera on brackets so you can't get on with planning in the background. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> so take <laughs> things take things out based on mentors professional opinion of ECT's ability. So yeah, I get what you mean actually. I I think the thing is you, I don't think you can take things out totally because you still need to be able to evidence the teaching standards and you need to, be able to oh, yeah, you agree, so yeah. I, I get that. But reorder them definitely, or prioritize them, group them, something like that. Hundred percent agree with that. I mean, it's 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 kind of a no brainer to me. And then sitting through two hour online seminars <laughs> where you need a camera. I mean, I can't, I can't, you know, disagree with this because it's something as a teacher, as a trainee teacher, especially, you haven't got that um, that kind of toolbox. You haven't got that whole kind of repertoire armory of lessons and resources and stuff like that so when you are teaching new things you need that time to plan it's incredibly intense period yeah. um and yeah. when that two hour seminar seminar that you have to have your camera on so you have to be seen to be paying attention the whole time cuts into that planning time it's yeah. it's annoying and i can understand why they want to do it i see it from both again, sides yeah i mean again I, mean? I think but it's again about selection and being bespoke and choice you know, and I think if you said, right, there's a, there's a sem seminar on X, whatever it's on, mm. and you said to trainees, you have to attend it or watch it afterwards. Mm. So you don't have to watch it live, but you do have to, or, you know, you have to in some way watch a video after. I don't know how it works, but, you know, to make sure people are doing it or that the mentor might say, right, there's one on tonight on, on questioning. You need to go to that because it's an area you're really weak at. Um, yeah. Do you want me to, you know, do you want me to do take the lesson tomorrow? Or do you want me to go and do that photocopy? You know, there's ways that a mentor could could then make it flexible. Whereas, like you say, this person here, obviously it's not great. You know, they're not going to let you turn your camera off because they want you to engage. But if it's something you've done before and you're pointlessly sitting through it, um, when you know you're up against it for planning the next day, I think that's a bit out of order. Yeah, I mean, I think the point you just made as well about being able to maybe watch it afterwards, that's just, it popped back into my head. So the difference between the old platform I used and StepLad, there were things we had to watch, but if we couldn't watch them because we were teaching, for example, they would record them and you could watch them after them at your leisure. Um, yeah. You know, so something like that is, you have to fit your life around it and it has to fit around your life at the same time. You can't always prioritize it, even though you need to know it. It's not always possible. You know, people have other at that time as well. I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing an MPQ course at the moment and that has elements like that in it. But, you know, if I don't make it online, I watch it after. But what it cleverly does is it makes me uh, leave a comment and respond to a comment someone else has made yeah. to to prove that I've engaged with it, yeah, you know, so yeah. I can't just pretend that I've watched it fast forward to the end. So that that's clever. That makes sure that I do actually do it. But the point is, if something comes up, if I have to pick my child up from school because they're ill, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be then. Oh, well, I've missed it. That's the end of it. Yeah, um, definitely. Controver it's controversial stuff. Right. Well, Daryl, listen, um, I really appreciate you calling in because I know exactly like you've just said, you are very, very busy. Um, <laughs> no is there, I mean, everybody is, but particularly in your in your situation, because you are, like you say, you haven't got that toolkit yet. You're having to, you know, do probably a lot more prep than you would have to do in five, six years' time. Mm. Um, is there anything, lastly, you want to just say about about Step Lab or the training program or or any advice for other people going through it? 
Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about StepLab, the pl platform itself. I think yeah. around the trainee year and around being an ECT, I think the major thing is there, I'm talking to some trainees that are, you know, getting quite disheartened and, and, so, yeah. and so forth. I think the major thing to remember is that we are still trainees. Um, you know, we might get treated as fully fledged teachers. And in some regards, we are fully fledged teachers, but we are still training. We're still training. We're still learning. Yeah. Know? It's yeah. never going to be perfect straight away. This is something we've got to understand. And, you know, if you need to lean on another ECT or a member of your department or even somebody outside of the school, do that. It, it will help massively. No, I think that's really good advice. I think there's two things there. One, one is that point of, you know, some things just take time, you know, and, you know, I, I obviously coach people. I watch a lot of teaching and some things I think, well, I could tell you that till you're blue in the face, but it's going to take time, you know, and then I go back to, I went back to a person I, I, I was coaching a year ago and watched her today and she was brilliant. And, and that wasn't just, be, you know, it wasn't because of my coaching. It was because she's had time to practice, which, again, all of the people like yourself that have had a broken up training period because of COVID, you've not had that normal, you know, run of time. So yeah. I think that's the first thing. And the second point is to bring to finish this off is no one's ever going to get it perfect anyway. Like Dylan William always says that. You know, you, you're, you're never going to get the lesson exactly how you want. We're, all, we're always and if you try to do that, you're never going to succeed. Um, there's always something we can do better. There's always something as teachers we can we can do better. And I think trainees sometimes beat themselves up because they see an experienced teacher and think, God, I wish I could do it like that. It's so easy for them. Yeah. You know, but but it, but it isn't because there's lots of things going on under the surface that you can't see. But um, but no, okay, brilliant. Thanks, Daryl. That was really useful. And, and I hope everybody enjoyed that because there's a lot of um, – points that Daryl's covered there in terms of talking not just about step lab and the training but also being a trainee leaning on people for help and and you know um realizing that it is a long process so thanks for joining us today Daryl no um, worries Seb. have a lovely evening don't you work too, too hard yeah, and, uh, right. <laughs> we'll see you soon take care mate see you later mate bye see you later bye-bye Right. So uh, that was Daryl. And I'm just going to say big, big, big thank you to Daryl again uh, for joining us and making sure that our Teachers Talk Radio is live, as you know, unless you're listening back to this on the podcast afterwards through Podbean, the website, listen back feature or through Spotify just by searching up Teachers Talk Radio. Um, we are a live show and obviously we encourage guests to phone in uh, people who are working on the front line. Uh, teachers, real teachers that are out there, tell us your story. Join the conversation. We want to know what it's like um, and what people's schools are like and experiences are like. So if you've been listening, and I can see now quite a few people have joined the show, so thank you, thank you, thank you to all those people that are listening live from wherever you are. You may be already home, you may be in your car driving home. This might be your little Thursday tradition listening to me. I hope so, if it is. Um, or, or maybe you're still at work and you've just got the you know, you're listening through the website. However you're listening to us, thank you. Um, and yeah, just join in. There's still plenty time um, to call in um, and take part. I can see quite a few people that have liked the show. So again, thank you for that. If you want to get involved, send me a message like as um, Mrs. Sorsh has done there um, and as Rasheen has done and any other, any other people that have texted in. Uh, so yeah, so do that. Or as I say, you can just click uh, the call in uh, button on Podbean and be connected directly to the studio. And that is one of the great things about Teachers Talk Radio. So it is just coming up to uh, 
well, it's just gone 10 to 5. Before we do the news, I just want to check in on a little poll uh, that I did on Twitter earlier today because I wanted, I know Step Lobby isn't what everybody's doing, I understand that, but I wanted to see, just chucked it out there. Um, and yes, interesting. So I got a vote earlier on a poll about Step Lab and of the people who've voted, my choices were, is it too restrictive? Is it okay, but maybe could do with adapting? Or is it a brilliant tool? Now, the results are coming in now. And at the moment, 38% um, of people said it was too restrictive. So that's a lot, I think. 46% said it's okay, but it needs adapting. So let's add them up together. What's that? 70, 84. And then 16% of people said it was a brilliant tool. So that to me kind of um, is some evidence towards what I've been saying today, that the majority, not all, but the majority of people feel that it needs a lot of work, needs some adaption, and quite a few people saying it's way too restrictive. So I've got no data as to who those people are, what subjects they teach, um, but it's interesting that that is um, what the poll says. Um, also, I'd like to know, um, as Kate Jones alluded to earlier, um, on my Twitter feed that that's not how they do things in Wales. Uh, I know Nathan might be listening as well. I, I'm not sure how it, uh, teacher training works in Wales, Scotland or in Ireland um, or even abroad, actually. Um, so let me know what we're basically putting out there is the question, how can you quantify teaching standards or how can you assess teachers' success or trainees' ability to do certain things? So. You could do it through, you know, we know how to do it through lesson observations, through planning, through conversations, meetings, meet, you know, all of that. We know how to get the evidence. But the question really that I'm throwing out there today is what do we then do with it? What should the, the trainee have to do to prove they've done it? What should the coach have to do to prove that they've seen it? Uh, and are programs like Step Lab, which are set up in a sort of very computer based way, that don't allow you that flexibility that have to be tick boxed and have to be done in a certain way. Are they actually more of a hindrance um, than a help? So um, don't go away. It's um, five to five. We're going to go to a quick news break. And after the news, we're going to be discussing World Book Day, or as I like to call it, World Costume Day. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk.
Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, new funding, believed to be around £15 million, will allow free school meals to be extended over the summer holidays. This comes on top of the already announced investment of hundreds of millions of pounds to expand free school meals to all primary school children. First Minister Mark Drakeford said, Today's announcement does include £22.5 million to extend free school meals during the school holidays. Through the Easter holiday and right through to the end of the summer holiday, this year as well. That, once again, is money that goes directly to those families who will struggle the most in the face of the cost of living crisis. In Scotland, 1,324 school leavers from East Dumbartonshire went on to work training or further study. These latest figures from the Scottish Government show a 6% rise in the number of positive destinations for young people, up to 98.6%, the highest in Scotland. Rona Mackay, MSP for Strathkelvin and Bearstown said, I'm delighted that an incredible 98.6% of pupils across Eastern Bartonshire are going on to positive destinations, whether that be work, training or further study. This is a record-breaking, nation-leading figure and is a testament to the incredible work both our teachers, educators and pupils are carrying out in our communities. The transition for young people from school to adulthood is vital and the SNP is committed to getting this right for every young person across Scotland, no matter what their background. The figures were released last week in the Scottish Government's summary statistics for attainment and initial leavers destinations.
March the 1st is National Offer Day in England, where primary children find out if they got into the secondary school of their choice. If children miss out on their first choice school, the decision can be appealed. The government website states, the admission authority for the school must allow you at least 20 school days to appeal from when they send the decision letter. The admission authority will set a deadline for submitting information and evidence to support your appeal. If you submit anything after the deadline, it might not be considered and may result in delays to your hearing. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It is the 3rd of March and we have been discussing StepLab. But now we're going to be talking about World Book Day. So stay tuned, get in touch with your opinions about World Book Day. How does it work? Is it still effective? And what can we do to get kids reading books? Stay tuned, there's lots to talk about on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. 
Yeah, good afternoon. Um, I'm feeling a bit smug with myself there because I, last week I made the error of turning down my microphone during the news and forgot to put it back on. But this time I put it back on. So I'm feeling quite good at myself, good with myself there that I'm actually uh, on it today. Um, I hope everyone else is on it. I hope you're all feeling good. We're a couple of weeks back uh, after half term. Maybe some of you are only one week back if you had a late one. Um, working our way, obviously, slowly towards Easter. And we've got those lovely lighter evenings coming now. And the clock's obviously due to go back in a few weeks. Um, it all gets a little bit more positive, I think, uh, for teachers as we come up to Easter. Um, so, yeah, I hope you're well and you're joining me today. Um, interesting there on the tech talk about the snippet tool, because somebody actually weirdly this week uh, said to me, I was trying to do something, I couldn't get it to work. And they said, oh, well, use the snippet tool. And I was like, oh, yeah. So that was um, quite actually quite apt that Steve chose to talk about that. Right. OK, so we have discussed um, teacher training. We've discussed Step Lab. So if you missed the beginning of the show and you've just tuned in, please listen back to it afterwards or download the show uh, to hear what Daryl had to say. Thank you to Daryl. He's a science teacher. He joined us um, to talk about his experience as a trainee, as an, e an ECT. And actually, some of the limitations with the Step Lab program, which is the Ambition Institute's uh, version of uh, how you track the teacher standards, um, which obviously is a bit has its issues at the moment. But in general, we've been talking about that. So if you want to join in and talk about teacher training uh, as a ECT, as a trainee or as a mentor or coach, you can still do that at any point. Uh, click call in, send me a message and, and we'll get back onto it. But what I thought we'd do for the last part of the show um, as it is World Book Day today, and I would be a bit silly to not mention it, would be just to throw it out there. So this, I don't even know when World Book Day started. It, it's been going for a long time, I know, for, for certain in, in the schools that I've been working in. I don't remember it when I started teaching, and that was about 20 years ago, but I can remember it uh, from about 10 years ago. So I'm not quite sure of that accuracy. Let me know if you're listening, you know exactly when the first World Book Day was. Well, anyway, when schools first started to really get involved with it. Now, I'm not knocking it. Let's just get that out of the way now. I'm not knocking World Book Day at all. Anything we can do to get kids reading, I'm fully 100% behind. Anything where we can promote it. Uh, I know there's there's schools that give out book tokens. Uh, I know there's, there's, there's prizes, there's competitions people do. Uh, one of the schools I used to work at, we did this. We had a reading bell, and everyone was encouraged to bring their favourite book in, uh, and you know, fiction or non-fiction. And when these bells went, the lesson would stop, and they'd have five, ten minutes to read. Uh, we we had lots of posters up of, of of you know teachers reading. We had people dressed up as certain authors, and there's loads of ways you can do it. But what I'm slightly worried about, and this was also reflected by quite a few people that I follow on Twitter saying the same thing, uh, which is why I thought it's worth mentioning is have we gone too far uh, down the road of it being about the dressing up? Certainly primary schools, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook are washed with people's children dressed up as, as different people. I've seen a world, where's Wally today? I've probably seen hundreds of um, Harry Potter inspired ones on Twitter, um, which is all great because it does essentially remind children about characters that are in books um and and may get them to to be thinking about it my issue is have we lost sight a little bit of what world book day should be um as a few people have said on twitter and actually are the kids getting more excited about the dressing up are are the parents getting more worried about the costumes is it fair on students uh from you know low 
financially, you know, struggling, vulnerable kids from disadvantaged backgrounds that they can't dress up or they can't get costume. And then, you know, that's not really, really fair either, I don't think. Um, putting that pressure on them to, you know, have an amazing... Fa it's not a fancy dress day, is it? We, we have non-uniform days for charity and you could have a dress-up day, dress-up as your favourite character. I don't think it's an issue, but really it feels like World Book Day has, has become more about that. Now, you may disagree with me and you may say that I'm, uh, it's bar humbug and that actually the dressing up is part of it and really helps with engagement. Great, do that. Call me, call me up. Uh, message me and let me know i don't know obviously there's no real stats about um the relationship between world book day and people reading but obviously i know um that a lot of kids get enthusiastic about it and i think as teachers and as an education profession of course we have a responsibility but again like a lot of these things should we just have one day or should we be just encouraging people to read all the time anyway um and does making one day a year about it um, kind of, I don't know, making something different. But anyway, I don't know. I think it's a great idea, don't get me wrong, but I've got a feeling that the costume element is is becoming massive. But maybe that's just my Twitter feed. Um, let me know. So that's what we're talking about. If you want to get involved, um, click the call in button um, or message me on the chat. Uh, we've also been talking about trainee teachers, uh, in particular StepLab, but any other system you might use outside of England or outside of the UK to track teachers. I'd be really interested to know what it, well, how the trainee teaching works abroad um, because I've got no idea about how other countries do that. Are, are we, we have got a good reputation in this country for, for obviously our education system. Uh, and so we're very rigorous and there's lots of brilliant research going on. Um, and I'm really pleased that the Ambition Institute and other organisations have put elements to the CPD, where they're looking at modern uh, pedagogical research, looking at evidence-based practice. That is all wonderful. I've known of an issue. The only problem we've had today in, in the show talking about this is where the assessment of the teaching standards is a little bit rigid and doesn't allow for a coach to move around within those teaching standards and judge their trainee on different things at different times. And also, as Daryl, our guest, alluded to, it restricts you from work moving on too quickly or going, stepping forward to something else. Another thing, another issue which I forgot to mention earlier was um, someone spoke to me, a dance teacher spoke to me about her frustration because she was off ill and she was off sick for a few weeks. And then suddenly she was really far behind on it and it doesn't really allow, you know, she's then trying to chase her tail to... Um, you know, to get to get those to get those standards in there. Um, now, also, before I forget, um, before we go off off on another tangent, uh, which I do like to do, let me just um, double check that you are all aware that um, after um, six o'clock, uh, Leanne Lax will be on doing her show tonight. Um, and she's actually just sent some breaking news, which I'm not even sure if this is genuine, but it looks like it is that um, the ex-education secretary, our friend Gavin Williamson, um, has been given a knighthood. So it goes to show, you know, that you don't have to do much these days to get yourself a knighthood. Um, I know the Queen was ill, but I don't know if she's lost her marbles there. But um, but yeah, so um, I don't know what that's about. But anyway, you know, good luck to him. Uh, I'm not sure um, whether that really is... Uh, 
the best use of an iTunes. But anyway, um, right. So yeah, so that's good. So Leanne's Leax is coming on after me at uh, six o'clock. I'm just also looking to see um, what other shows you lovely people have got coming up later on uh, in the week. So tomorrow is obviously uh, Friday. Whoop whoop whoop. So I'm sure everybody's aware that it is Friday tomorrow. And we're all excited. Um, but there should be also shows uh, coming your way um, through the day tomorrow and even tomorrow evening. So stay tuned. You can always go to our website, www.ttradio.org. Uh, on there is our weekly schedule. We have shows from uh, early morning all the way through to late, late at night. Of course, with my show, The Drive Home Show, sandwiched uh, right in the middle. I hope you're on the way home already or you've actually got home or you're about to leave for work. Um, uh, yeah, that would be good. Good to know. Sorry, I was getting uh, more messages from my other uh, Teacher Talk Radio host, Leanne, who um, is making some funny little jokes. Uh, right. So, um, yes, yeah, so stay with me. We've got about another 10 or 15 minutes left today. Um, so it, the lines are open. Uh, you can press, press call in at any point. You can check, text me a message on the chat if you're too shy to phone in. Um, we're looking at two main topics. Uh, we're looking at how we train teachers effectively, the pros and cons of using a system to track uh, teachers' standards and whether how that should be done uh, and in an effective way. And we're also looking at World Book Day. Um, has that become uh, too much of um, a, too much of an issue with children just dressing up and not enough about reading? I'm not really sure, but it seems to be from Twitter that there seems to be a bit of kickback uh, from that. Um, also, I mentioned at the top of the show about the obviously the horrendous situation in Ukraine. Um, if you are doing anything particular with your school um, about either raising money for charity uh, for the Red Cross or, or to help appeals over there, let me know, um, or um, how you're tackling it, because this is another thing which I think is a bit of a hot topic is how we cope with, how we approach the subject with students, particularly younger students that are already probably vulnerable and feeling scared of the world because of other issues with COVID and with cyberbullying and social media. They've now got to worry about, um, you know, a crazed Russian. Um, and, and that can be quite, you know, quite unsettling and, and for, for, for young people if they see tabloid headlines, you know, about World War Three. Um, that that's not going to be good, is it? So, but as educators, we have a responsibility to talk about the situation in in and with Russia and Ukraine, and we do need to educate children. I know, obviously, historians uh, out there probably would be able to fit, maybe do a bit of a lesson about that. Maybe it's, it has um, links with other other world events that they can bring that in, um, and potentially assemblies on it. I don't know, but let me know if you're doing anything particular um, about that. I've actually got a, a a man who comes around and um, does little odd jobs for me, and he's from Ukraine. And I I, I did send him out a message because I was worried about him. Um, he lives here, obviously, but I I sent him a little message just to say, hope you're okay. And uh, I said, is there anything I could do? Let me know. And he started off with these messages about, yeah, be, you know, we we could we need this, we need warm clothes, uh, we need paracetamols, etc. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll send some stuff out for that. And then his next message, he said, we also need bulletproof vests, um, which I was, I, know, I was quite taken aback by. I don't think he was necessarily joking. 
I think he was he was actually being truthful, but it was a bit of a did kind of make me think, wow, you know, that is that is what it's really like because his family obviously is still out there. So so um, a shout out uh, to to my to my um, to the man who comes around and helps me do things in my flat, uh, Alex. I hope I hope he's well uh, and his family is safe. Um, yeah, so we're we're talking about a lot of things today. We've kind of gone we've gone from one thing to another. But if you're still listening, uh, please join me now. Join the conversation. Uh, we're looking at World Book Day. What's your opinion on it? Do you think it's it's run its course? Do you think the costumes have taken over? Uh, let me know what your school does. Do we think it's more of a primary school event? Uh, if you're a secondary school teacher, what do you do at your school? How do you promote World Book Day? I'd love to know what you do that's effective that maybe other schools can, can get hints from. Um, and we're also talking about trainees and what it's like uh, to be a trainee um at the moment now that covid is settling down and trainees are kind of returning to sort of normality in terms of being able to get in the classroom and not do online learning uh that's obviously made things a bit easier but in terms of how they're judged um how's that going are you a trainee that's struggling listening in are, are, have you tuned in to hear some advice and maybe you you're worried about maybe you're going to quit is there too much pressure on trainees? Is it set up in the right way? Um, but obviously, that's tricky as well because it is a rigorous profession. It's a hard job, um, but it's not for everyone. And we, and we can't let, just let people go through the net if they're not hitting those standards because those standards are there for a reason. And I, and I know some people who've not hit them uh, because it's too difficult, which is fine, um, and then said, you know what, it's not for me because we can't, you can't, I'm, I've, 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 I've been made aware of a couple of people I know over, over the last few years that have kind of passed the training year or passed the, the period of probation and perhaps wasn't wasn't the right decision and, and then have struggled. So I think we always have to be honest with people. If There's no point just fudging it through. You've got, you've got to be honest. If, if they're not hitting the standards, they're not hitting the standards. And, of course, we can help people and develop them and train them and coach them to get better. Um, but it, as I've said many a time on the show, it is a hard job to do however you whatever subject you teach whatever key stage you teach it's a hard job and as daryl said earlier a very sweet comment from daryl actually if you listen to the interview at the end he made a really good comment to i asked him for any advice for other trainees he made a really nice comment about you know you can't do it all you can't be perfect um and you should lean on other other trainees that are in your school uh, other people other teachers leadership anybody that's around uh to, to help you because we, we all need help. Um, we all need to get stuff off our chests. We all need to bounce ideas around. Um, so don't, don't be alone. Um, even as a trainee or even as a normal teacher or, or, or any level SLT, whatever, don't be alone, share, share the problem, uh, and talk to someone else. I don't know how people's staff rooms operate, but I know I've worked in various schools where staff rooms are a, a hive of activity actually. Uh, and, you can go in a start. I remember going into a staff room once after teaching a certainly difficult class and, you know, talking to another person that I'd never, didn't even know who they were, just another teacher at that point um, as an NQT. And that, and they were like, oh, yeah, that kid, he's a nightmare. And I was like, oh, thank God for that, because I thought it was just me. And then somebody else chipped in and said, oh, yeah, what you want to do is talk to him about his cricket. He loves his cricket. And then all of a sudden you're getting tips. So, but I'm not sure that is the case really anymore in some schools. Some schools I've been in recently, they don't really have a staff room. Everything's very much, people are in their departments, their teams, they're 
can't speak, you know, separated or <laughs> separated into different areas and then they don't have a um, hub. I, I mean, I guess it depends on your school. Maybe primary schools, it's different because, you know, maybe you do, you're a bit closer together and you have that. But I know in a big secondary school, it's not always possible uh, to do that. Now, Leanne has messaged in. So thanks to Leanne. Um, this is uh, potentially, I think this is uh, the lovely Leanne who has a show on Straight After Me. Um, she says it can be such a lonely profession without a staff room and staff room banter. Sometimes you just need another adult to talk to in the day. Great point, Leanne. And I think this is what I'm trying to say, that the staff room, if, if it's a buzzing staff room and it's, and it's you know, a lot of people coming in and coming out all the time, it, it's not about, you know, unloading loads of, you know, horrific behaviour. It's not about... Um, you know, asking some a French teacher to help you plan a science lesson. It's not about that. It's just that chatter, um, the the sense of humour that, that that teachers have. People have been doing it a long time, a bit more experienced, a bit more relaxed, a bit more kind of able to just say, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll you'll get over it. Um, but like like Leanne said, one of the things that I found the hardest, I have to say at this point, um, I thought I'd get through a show without mentioning COVID, but I've failed. But one of the things, the hardest things I've, I've found with the lockdown period was the first one was not talking to other adults outside of my family uh, because, you know, you, you're at home uh, with your partner or you, whoever you live with and potentially kids that you've got or not, but you're, you're with them all the time and you don't have anything sometimes to talk about. You can't have that thing of, been at work all day you come back and I think other colleagues take that other colleagues you know if you're in a relationship you know it, with another teacher like I was or even if you're not in relationship with a teacher you can't always give all of that to your the person at home sometimes it's good to get rid of some of that and 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 get that out of your system with your colleagues and with other adults who are teachers oh as Leanne said sometimes just to talk to another adult when you've been teaching kids all day Let, let's say you're doing a five period day and you've had year seven year eight year nine year ten all day long it, it can be hard because you're working with very young people and and you end up you know trying to you know have the conversations with them and then actually you talk to another adult that's nearer to your age and it's actually a lot it's a lot nicer and a bit more <laughs> a bit easier to uh, intellectually um connect let's say um i mean six form is quite good for that but they're still they're still young they, st they still don't they still don't know what it's like god i sound old now don't i old man um anyway that's a lovely point leanne thanks thanks for messaging in and like i say anybody else that wants to call in you can do we've got a few minutes left um uh i'll be closing down the show in about five minutes so um you can still call in you can still message uh, we've managed to steer away from teacher training and and World Book Day doesn't seem to be really setting anyone on fire um, with with uh, with the chat today. So obviously people maybe don't feel as passionately about the costume thing as me. Um, but yeah, but as I say, we're, we're always open on Teacher Talk Radio for people to, to call in, uh, message in with with whatever you want to message in about. And we don't have to stick stick totally to the topic. Um, now, Leanne said she likes a good costume. Well, yes, I, I, I agree, Leanne. I, I don't mind a bit of fancy dress myself. Uh, I like students. Uh, you know, it's great to see the kids, that, the costumes that kids bring in. Um, all I'm trying to highlight is does this detract from the purpose of World Book Day or actually is it why World Book Day is such a success? Because it gets the publicity, it gets the kids doing it, it creates a buzz. 
about authors and about characters and and maybe that is a good thing and we shouldn't i shouldn't worry too much about it the the fun element to it um but i'm not trying to be kind of bar humbug i I just feel like have we lost the kind of focus of what world book they should be if parents and if kids are obsessing over you know we, we must have had thousands of thousands of harry potters and hermione's over the last few days um in schools across the country i, I dread to think um leanne's responded thank you leanne for uh, for not just leaving me hanging there she said possibly the costumes have taken over a bit um the passion for dress up or passion for books totally get it um and mrs sort thanks for that and mrs sorcher has also replied um, I think it's become very competitive in some schools amongst some parents. The race to buy the best costume as opposed to when I was young using tinfoil toilet rolls to make our own. Well, this is what I was trying to say earlier. This is the other big thing. If you even forget the world book day element and say, let, let's part of that and just say, yeah, it does work. It does promote reading. Let, let's just say it does that. You're still an issue, I think, with this whole costume thing, you know buying spending money buying ordering things online and um, getting certain things to to get the best costume little little johnny or little sarah being paraded out photos taken online social media you know it, this is what i'm talking about when i agree with you back in the day my mum would you know sent me to school as a caveman once and it was literally she just bought some fabric and uh, some brown fur from a shop and um yeah, and basically sent me into school half naked, which just wasn't great, I suppose. But anyway, but you know, it was just like, here you go, is a is a is a bone and is a bit of fur. You're a caveman. Um, whereas nowadays, you know, there's so much money, so much constantly by making us buy things, consume things, um, which does get on my nerves a little bit. But but I'm not even. It's not even about that for me. It's just have we lost the the sense of what World Book Day is supposed to be. Um, but if it promotes reading, then I suppose any people will say anything's worth it. Anything to get kids um, reading. Uh, we know that statistically it's a, it's a big issue. We know that obviously students get better jobs, uh, have better careers, successful lives, etc. With if they read more often, uh, vocabulary from reading regularly. We we know all these reasons. So there's no um, there's nobody on here. I'm sure disagreeing with that. Um, and I think having a World Book Day, a day where books are celebrated, is also lovely. But have we, as a profession with schools, got way, way too much um, into dressing up when really it should be about reading? Okay, well, I'm going to close the show a little bit early there um, because I feel like we've, 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 we've exhausted everything I wanted to talk about. There's some really good comments from people, uh, some great interactions from uh, some of the people today messaging in. Uh, great conversation with Daryl and if you missed it please please download the show afterwards um and and listening to uh my interview with Daryl who's a science teacher is an ECT um at the moment training to be a teacher um well he is a teacher but he's you know he's going through that training so if you want to listen to uh, Daryl's opinions uh then please download it after a uh, lovely chap um and yeah as always I'll just end by saying again uh, my show is every two weeks so uh, I won't have a show next week, which is the 10th, uh, but I will be back on, I think that must be the 17th um, for my next show, which again is undecided. Uh, I'm not decided yet what topic I'm going to do yet is the 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. So maybe we should do something based on Ireland. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I will be back in two weeks. If you want to uh, be on my show, if you want to be a guest, if you don't want to phone in live, you want to you want to have a chat beforehand and we can we can do that. Then, of course, let me know. You can tweet uh, Teachers Talk Radio, which is um, at TT Radio uh, 2022. Um, and you can get involved there. Um, yeah, at TT Radio 2022. And that's our um, Teacher Talk Radio handle. So if you want to message the team, not just me, but the team about an issue you want to talk either on my show or other people's shows, please do that. And if you're not already following us, do it right now. Um, and if you want to message me directly, my personal one is at Tripitaka74, T-R-I-P-I-T-A-K-A, Tripitaka74. Um, and you can message me on Twitter uh, personally or message me, DM me. And we can, um, if you want to, if you just if you're desperate to get on the show or you want you want to get involved um, in some way with the discussion or you want to suggest a guest or whatever it is, it's, it's an open forum. OK, we're, we're all here to, to work together. Um, and that's about it uh, for this sunny Thursday. And as predicted two weeks ago, I have actually finished my show and it is still light. So that is an absolute result um, because that means that we are basically at the point that the, the summer is coming and we're at the point where, thank you, yes, we're at the point now where there are no more dark nights when my show finishes. There's no more finishing my show and sitting here in the dark. So those days are gone and it will only get better uh, over the next a uh, couple of weeks, especially when the um, when the clocks go back. Okay, so that is that. Well, well I've managed to, I was going to say I'm going to finish my show early, but I've managed to waffle it right up to half past five. So I'm going to say adios, have a great evening, have a lovely weekend, and I'll speak to you all in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.